Good morning, church family. Merry Christmas. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a little distracted at the moment because uh, I discovered that since last Sunday, even though nothing has changed, even though I'm still using 14-point font, I now can't read my notes. So I'm going <laughs> to... So, I'm going to put on my readers today. Wow. Yeah. You, I've, I've used them on Sunday, but I usually haven't had to because a few weeks ago I went from 12-point font to 14-point font. I, I don't know what I'm going to have to do next. <laughs> okay, welcome. Yeah, I hear a few welcomes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I already have a few. Not quite 60 pairs yet, but maybe, maybe we're getting there. All right. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, does, does Christmas ever, does this season, does Christmas season ever cause you to uh, be more reflective? Do you find yourself thinking back or pondering life or considering family and things like that? Um, and then I think for perhaps my life stage in recent weeks and months has just caused more reflection than normal. And what I mean by that is Amy and I have four kids. Our oldest is now a 20-year-old young adult out of the house. Uh, and so Amy and I are, are learning that whole transition of parenting. We're just easing into that. Uh, we have two 17-year-old seniors in high school. So just being seniors in high school means transition, right? And, and change and things ahead for them and for Amy and I. And then pretty hard to believe when you have four children that our youngest is just a few months away from 15 and high school. Um, so anyway, perhaps stage of life is just causing more reflection lately, uh, causing me to think about these things, kind of thinking about things like times that we've had together, times that I wish we've had together, ca causing me to think about uh, things that have been well-trained and well-taught and things maybe I wish I'd have gotten to. Uh, reflecting certainly on time moving and, and life being pretty short in some ways, right? Uh, and no matter what age you are in this room, uh, no matter what age you are, years are passing, right? Time moves on, time moves forward. Uh, so I want you to think this morning with me, just as we get going this morning, reflect a little bit. As you've gotten older... As the years are passing, whatever age you are, as you've gotten older, uh, what, what would you like to think is also increasingly true of you? Wisdom. Yeah, I want you to, <laughs> you'd like to think what? Improve blood pressure? Is it that we can maintain, yeah, maintain health? We get, there's all kinds of, what, what, uh, as you've gotten older, what would you like to think is also increasingly true of you. With advanced years, okay, you're realizing, yeah, you're realizing there's maybe less and less time, and how do we use that time? With advanced years uh, comes or should come what? You know, and just be thinking about this. What, what do we hope comes with increased life experience and with the passing years? You know, perhaps we would hope and, and assume and and ask God that, that increased wisdom would be part of growing up, that increased maturity, spiritual maturity, that increased self-awareness, these kind of things maybe come to our mind. And yet, 
And yet, think with me, do we ever arrive on this side of eternity? Do, are, are we, do we arrive? Are, are, are we finished? Have we learned it all? Yeah, I mean, these are, this is a good place for us to start this morning. So we are in a series of messages called Son of the Most High. If you haven't grabbed your Bible yet, pull it out and turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we will uh, get going in just a minute. We are a few weeks into this series called Son of the Most High as we study from the gospel according to Luke together, chapters 1 and 2 here during the Advent season, and we're going to continue this morning. And I'll take this moment while you turn there. Just to say again, Merry Christmas. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are glad that each and every one of you is with us this morning, and glad for those of you joining us online. Uh, Merry Christmas to you all, and welcome, and, uh, and welcome especially to Hope and family and friends over here. Uh, if you haven't seen up front, very up front here is a baptism tank. We have a very special celebration coming this morning, and so we're glad that you and your family and friends are uh, here to celebrate. And, uh, and glad that you are all with us as we celebrate Advent, as we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, as we remember his first coming, his first Advent 2,000 years ago, God himself into the world. And, and as we are reminded of that first Advent, we look forward to the, the certainty of his future Advent, his second coming. So join with me in Luke chapter 1. I'm picking up our, our series, our, our God, this true story from God's word in verse 57. Luke 1, verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Okay, so just real quick to make sure we're all on the same page. We came here. It's the Sunday. We're about a week before Christmas celebrations. We're expecting to study about uh, a pregnancy. We're expecting to hear about a birth, but we're expecting perhaps at Christmas to mostly be thinking about the birth of Jesus, is that what's happening in this passage? No? Okay, just making sure we're, we're tracking with the story. Now came the time for Elizabeth. This story is not about Mary. Came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Not Jesus, but who? John. So, and then it says in verse 58, Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. So let's remind ourselves where we've been, where the passage in the recent weeks has taken us. Why, why this mention of mercy? Why this arrival of, of the Son is an act of God's mercy? Why is that true? Because when we first met Zechariah and Elizabeth a few verses ago, how did the Bible describe them? <laughs> Quote, advanced in years. The Bible is much more polite, right? So... <laughs> when we first met Zechariah and Elizabeth, they are advanced in years and, humanly speaking, facing this very difficult, seemingly impossible, hopeless situation that Elizabeth is, has been barren, and they have never had children, and, uh, and did not see a change in that in their future. But then, back in verse 13, if you were with us a few weeks ago, Back in verse 13, the angel said to Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And sure enough, Elizabeth had become pregnant. And as we've rehearsed, as we've reminded each other in recent weeks, and we ought to again, 
God keeps his promises. This is what we see throughout Luke chapter 1 and 2, is what God says he will do, he does. Church family, we have a God who is faithful, who does what he says he will do, and therefore, as we study this passage this morning, we ought to go kind of the next step. If God is faithful, if we know that God, what he says he will do, he will do, then when God says something, we should listen, and when God says something, we should believe him, and when God says something and we should believe him, we should be able to act, respond Accordingly, let's see how that plays out in our passage this morning. Verse 59. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother, Elizabeth, answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, Wait, none of your relatives is called by this name. And so they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. I'm thinking, depending on our perspective here, are we supposed to, is, should Elizabeth take offense? <laughs> I mean, maybe the way we read it in our, in our setting, in our world, they just ask Elizabeth what the name should be. She answered, and they go, yeah, 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 let's talk to dad. <laughs> but I don't think that's exactly what's happening. I don't think that she needs to get offended but what really is happening here is that the friends and neighbors and family are just shocked that the name isn't going to be Z Jr. Because that was the cultural norm. It was, it was basically an expectation that the baby would be named a family name. And so they're just shocked. So they look to Zechariah for confirmation, verse 63. And Zechariah then, with their question being asked of him, he asks for a writing tablet and he begins to write. Now, again, in case you weren't here with us the past few weeks, in case you haven't studied the few verses before this, why is Zechariah having to respond by writing? He can't talk. He's been silenced. If we look back at verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, when the angel told him they were going to have a baby, Zechariah said back to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. See, unfortunately, Zechariah needed proof. God, through this angel, had news for him. But uh, Zechariah just kind of, mm, I don't know. So I, can you prove it? I need a sign that what you say is going to happen in verse 19. And then look at 19. The angel answered Zechariah, I am Gabriel, the angel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. A couple of weeks ago, what we said uh, was basically the response of Gabriel is, hey, Zechariah, be quiet and watch God work. Be quiet, shut your mouth and watch this. So Zechariah is, has been silenced, he is mute, and they're asking him this question, and it's interesting to note, look at this, they have to, how do they ask him the question? Do they ask him out loud? They make signs to him to, answer, to ask him the question of what they should name his son, so even though what we've been told in previous verses was simply that he had been silenced, that he was mute, it sure appears that he also cannot hear. 
So he has spent the how, how many past months? Nine. Mute and, and very probably deaf as well. And so uh, they ask him via signs what he wants to name the boy. Now, I want to just think real quick. We, we, on one hand, we should take note that Zechariah did not believe this word from God. And there was a consequence. There, there was an opportunity for learning given to Zechariah. But on the other hand, I want to make sure we don't get too hard on Zechariah here. First of all, what would we have done in the similar situations? Second of all, let's not get too hard on Zechariah because Zechariah is not a bad guy. In fact, he's a God-honoring guy. Verse 6 tells us that he and Elizabeth were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and all the statutes of the Lord. So here's a righteous couple, a couple who follows the word of God. And yet, does Zechariah still have something to learn? Are there still occasions where the best thing to do is to listen and believe God and do what he says? When God says something, we should listen. And because we have a God who is faithful, when he says something, he does it. When he says something, we ought to listen and believe and follow. So as we continue in our passage then, we get to see, you know, has Zechariah learned the lesson? He's had a long time to think in quiet. Has Zechariah learned his lesson? Will he now be ready to obey? Let's go back to verse 63 in today's passage, chapter 1, verse 63. So they've asked him, hey, John, what do you, or not John, hey, Zechariah, what do you think we should name your son? Zechariah grabs a tablet, I'm, I'm figuring it's an iPad, and he, and, he writes, and he writes on there, his name is John. Well, wait, it just occurs to me, this was probably pre-iPad, so maybe Etch-a-Sketch? <laughs> Some kind of tablet, Zechariah grabs it, says, his name is John. And they all wondered about this, because it was not expected, it was not the cultural norm. Think about this. Put yourself in, the sh in John's shoes. Or not John's shoes, sorry, Zechariah. I keep saying John. John's just, you know, a little dude. And we'll talk about him later. Put yourself in Zechariah's shoes. He's been mute and likely deaf for nine months. He's had time to think. He's had time to reflect. He's had time to repent of having questioned God. He's had time to learn from his mistake, hopefully. He's had time to recognize and realize that when God speaks, we ought to listen, and we ought to obey. And this time, having had all that time to reflect, this time Zechariah is ready. When he's asked the name, he doesn't go with Zechariah Jr. He says the name that was given to him by God, that the baby is to be called John, which means God is gracious. God has been gracious to this couple, and John's role in pointing people to Jesus is an act of God's gracious kindness to us in sending John to pave the way for Jesus, to bring about the beginnings of this rescue plan, God's unfolding rescue plan in the world. 
So thinking of Zechariah and his example, what about us? How do we go through this life? How do we make decisions? How do we interact with people? How do we listen or not listen to God? Do we live life arrogantly thinking that we know it all? We have no need for God. We've arrived. I'm advanced enough in years. I've got this and that experience. I've read the Bible. I've come to church. I do the things. I think I'm done. I think I arrived. Do we live life arrogantly thinking that we have it all, that we have no need for God, that somehow no more learning or growing is needed? Or as we grow spiritually, are we increasingly aware of ongoing opportunities to learn? Ongoing opportunities to be, no matter our age, years, middle years, advanced in years, no matter our age, that we have opportunity to listen to God, to hear from God, to be transformed by God. Verse 64. As soon as John, as soon as Zechariah, as soon as Zechariah had written on that iPad, his name is to be John, verse 64, it says, immediately Zechariah's mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke. The first words out of his mouth about the name of his son or about all the things he'd been missing for the last nine months or about his frustration for having been silenced. No, the first words out of his mouth, blessing God. After nine months of being humbled with this opportunity, this silent opportunity to reflect and to consider God and to consider God's working in his life, when he finally is able to open his mouth, he pours out praise to God. I pray that would be an example for us. In verse 65, we continue in verse 65, fear came on all their neighbors. There's this awe, there's this wondering, there's this, wow, God must be doing something. This is a special baby. Fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And everybody who heard about these things that were happening laid them up in their hearts, saying, what then will this child be for the hand of the Lord? Was with him. So these events surrounding Zechariah and Elizabeth, their advanced years, their former barrenness, this miraculous birth, this name that doesn't go along with the cultural expectation but calls for God's graciousness, is causing everybody to reflect and wonder who will this kid be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. As I studied this week, um, a pastor and author named Kent Hughes writes this, spiritual reflection, a wise and spiritually healthy state, is rare in our unthinking age of sound bites and limited attention spans and hurried pace. Look with me at the last couple lines of that quote up there. How do those look in your life? Do you see sound bites and limited attention span on your own part and hurried pace? What does that look like in your world? 
scrolling through reels, posting on social media, texting with numerous people at the same time, trying to do it all, all the time, engaging with our friends and family and never getting further than superficial conversation, noise of various types that come at us, noises from the culture, noises from the television, noises from marketing bombarding our brains, things moving fast, so many distractions, and look what it says up there. Spiritual reflection is, is a wise and spiritually healthy state. And I'm not just coming down on you, church family. I'm questioning myself, those, those bottom couple lines. Where do those sound bites and limited attention and hurried pace take me away from the opportunity and the ability to have any time at all for spiritual reflection, any time at all to spend with God, to hear his voice? To respond to his voice. Kent Hughes continues with the rest of this quote, it is a great privilege to treasure spiritual truth and ponder it in our hearts. And then as we ponder God's word from the Bible, as we ponder these spiritual truths, then it's a great privilege to ask these right questions about who we are and who God is. And so as we consider that Zechariah had nine months of, of mute and deaf silence, kind of forced into spiritual reflection, kind of forced to consider what God had done and what God had meant and what his response was, should have been, could be the next time, as Zechariah got that opportunity, I, I just want us to be able to ask ourselves, how and when does spiritual reflection happen for you? How and when does spiritual reflection happen for me? And uh, as, as we have talked about before, we certainly hope and pray and encourage you that, that gathering together on Sundays and being in God's word together as a large church family is important and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a significant discipline and a way to continue to draw closer to God. But church family, as you are a follower of Jesus and have direct access to the Heavenly Father, God, creator of the universe through prayer, and as he has spoken to us, to you, through his word in the Bible, church family, do you have opportunity to, to come before him, just you and him, talking with God, hearing that is possible, Father, for us, no matter our circumstances, God, thank you that because of Christ, because you work in us and through us, that we can have unspeakable joy as we know and follow the Son of the Most High. So God, I pray that uh, as, we, as we reflect spiritually, individually, and together as a church family, that it wouldn't be just about us as a church family, but that we would take this opportunity too to just pray your blessing upon churches everywhere who are celebrating Advent, who are worshiping Jesus together, including our sister church in Washington, Redemption Fellowship. God, thank you for the partnerships they are making in their community to show the love of God through their actions. Continue to use them as you see fit to show your love to their community and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. 
And as we continue our celebration together this morning, Father, we give ourselves to you. Help us to set ourselves aside so that we can make much of Jesus this morning. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.